Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to Let's Humanize the Workplace. My name is Vivian Aqua and I'm the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And I have something to mention that I have to celebrate and for therefore I have to also show my screen. Today, it's episode number 80. That means from the first time that I started this, this live engagement or this live broadcast starting from the 5th of December last year, where I was in a situation where I really felt dehumanization. And I'm so grateful that we are going to have a conversation about workplace bullying because I was in the midst of something similar or something related to that. And instead of me being super mad, super angry, super sad, which I sometimes was, I chose to activate my positive psychology part of me and start by having these open conversations. Having calling in conversations, not calling out. I don't do call out because it eats my energy. But then again, if you have a situation where you need to call out and call out is your only option to do that, don't say that I told you to do that, but I won't, I won't, I will not discourage you to do that. So um, I'm dedicating this episode or let's humanize the workplace to you. I'm dedicating it towards all the guest speakers that have been on and I'm dedicating it to my partner whom I never mentioned, but he wants to say out of the limelight, but who I do mention a lot is my son. It's because of him that I'm putting myself out there, even though, and you might think like Vivian is an extrovert or ambivert. Every time that I'm out here, I am doing my mini mantra or doing my mini meditation because some of the topics are very easy. But there are also topics that aren't that easy. And one of the topics is tonight's topic because it means in a way I have to share my personal journey, my personal story. And there is nothing positive about workplace bullying. So um, bear with me because um, it's heavy. It's, it's, I'm, I'm hoping that those who are going through this situation at the moment find some inspiration in what the guest speakers and I have to share regarding this topic and know that there is always a better place. There is always a better situation and know that, you know, eventually you see the light and you know what to do and you will stand up for yourself. That's what I'm hoping for this situation. So I also wanted to highlight that if you can't watch Let's Humanize the Workplace for whatever reason, you can always listen to it. And because of that, it's always on, you know, uh, the, the famous platforms, but I also would like to ask you something and asking for help is not easy, but I'm still going to do that. I want you to show some love. So uh, if you could review it on iTunes, uh, go to bit.ly, htw, love, and show us some love. Show, you know, share something about the insights that you get or why you like this episode or why you like the the previous uh, episode so that I can continue. Okay, now my story. Um, this report has been recently that here in the Netherlands, uh, it's 2020, 
And a lot of people think that the Netherlands, we are in some kind of way progressive, but also know that in there are so many ways and so many actions that we do here in the Netherlands that are holding us back. And this is one of the many reasons why I feel like the Netherlands is not as progressive as people think because women, pregnant women are facing pregnancy discrimination. And this subject touches my heart because at the time when I was pregnant with Orlando, I faced that. And my managers at the time did not realize how much damage they did to me, not only towards me, but also towards my unborn child. And to end up in my pregnancy where I was facing high blood pressure I almost had pregnancy I almost had pregnancy diabetes and there were so many risks during my pregnancy and on top of that dealing with you know the BS in the workplace was hard and it caused a, a scar within my soul but also a scar within me and ever since that happened that's when I chose to advocate for um, employers to do better, for HR to do better, but for people to do better. Just because a woman is pregnant doesn't mean that she's devalued. Just because a woman is pregnant doesn't mean that she won't be returning back to the workplace. Just because a woman decides to become a mother or is even surprised to become a mother doesn't mean that the essence of who she is before that time will change. You should see women who are mothers are a value. They can do so, they have so much power, but I won't, you know, I won't address that. Know that on the 15th of December, I will do a special episode uh, as a dedication towards women in the workplace, especially working mothers in the workplace, and I will address that as well. But for now, I have to bring on my guests. So I'm bringing them up for one by one. First, the ladies, and then I'm going to add the men as well. Let me see. So we have Sejal Chakar. And I have to bring her by up. She is pa she passionately transforms the workplace and education settings in places of civility by empowering others to be part of the solution. Regina is a global diversity, equity, and inclusion leader, speaker, and coach with 15 years of experience in the HR field. Paula Quincy, all the way from uh, South Africa, and the other two ladies are from California. I'm not jealous at all, not jealous at all. <laughs> Paula Quincy is a speaker, an author, passionate advocate for creating healthy relationships at home, in the workplace, and against gender-based violence. Scott Mason is a seasoned executive mentor that helps leaders ensure their decisions are solid. Kobe Ampuma, is an experienced uh, talent broker and an advocate for DNI in recruitment and also a role model in everything that he does to create an equality in the workplace or in the world. And Jude is an autistic, autistic author, social worker, motivational speaker, and founder of Neurodiversity and Training International. And 
I'm Vivian Aquan, the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And today we are going to have a conversation about workplace bullying. It's um, a topic that I feel has to be spoken. We have to speak up more and more about this. So I'm <laughs> glad that they, uh, that they say yes to my call. And I'm going to start with Jude. Uh, why do we need to humanize the virtual workplace? I think the main reason we need to humanize the workplace is because workplaces by and large aren't really humanized and it really comes from the top because yeah. there's less of an emphasis on individual relationships with each employee and a togetherness and a positive work culture. It's That seems to have decreased and what has increased is it's more about company targets, generating revenue, getting more customers, getting further reach, uh, developing different branding and marketing strategies. And unfortunately, there are employees that are just left behind them in any corporation or any business, no matter big or small, that should never happen. But sadly, it does. I can only say <laughs> thank you. And Regina. All right. That was great, um, Jude. And, and I would add to that, um, we need to humanize the workplace because we're in a new normal. So whether it be this virtual remote working that will be with us for, I think, the foreseeable future, we're also in a pandemic, you know, an unprecedented health crisis that will shape the world for, you know, you know, forever, I think, in many ways. And so I think with that, there are some unique circumstances that are happening with, you know, team members having to bet, you know, juggle what's going on at home, you know, their caregiving responsibilities or personal life with the demands at work. You also have reports of women leaving the workplace yeah. at record numbers. You know, in the U.S., McKinsey was reporting four times the rate of men. Um, women are, are exiting the workforce. And then we also know um, in the U.S. that there's a disproportionate impact um, with COVID on, you know, Black and Latinx communities. So I think taking all of that together, if we don't take a more human-centered individual approach, we're going to miss really getting getting through this together and getting that productivity and the results that Jude, you know, mentioned companies are still very focused on. Kobe. <laughs> well, I think we need to humanize the workplace because, you know, um, the majority of us spend uh, a lot of time there uh, and you want to be your true self also in a workplace. Um, you know, I think, you know, in, in, in order to flourish in, in a workplace, you bring the best version of yourself uh, and if you are in a workplace where you know you feel appreciated uh, you feel supported um, uh, you can see you know your development take place uh, i think that's why we need to humanize the workplace awesome scott <laughs> i'm gonna step back for a, in a little a little bit when in analyzing the answer to that question mm -hmm. the workplace is part of an organization and inherent in the definition of an organization is that it is comprised of a number of different humans. And those humans are, are collaborating somehow to achieve an objective. In government, it might be, for instance, a policy initiative. In nonprofit or NGO, it might be the achievement of a social benefit um, objective. And of course, in a corporate setting, it is the achievement of a financial metric. What all of those metrics have in common, what the metrics that determine the success of the initiatives that those organizations are bringing about are the ability 
to avoid opportunity costs that keep those objectives from happening. Humanization of the workplace is a hard, cold, impersonal bottom line issue, whether you're NGO government or corporate. The opportunity costs associated with dehumanizing the very things that allow those organizations to achieve is a It's a. <laughs> there was a remix there. Is a? Can you can you end it? Yes, I will say that it is making sure that it is um, humanizing the workplace is an absolute imperative, irrespective of your, of your sector. You you dropped the mic too early. Paula. <laughs> Paula. Right. So I would say that people are your greatest asset. And without your people, you don't have a business. And people, people will only care when they know how much you care. And as yeah. leaders of a business, if you want your business to be productive, creative, innovative, and deliver, you need to make sure that your assets are well looked after. And that's one of the ways or one of the main reasons why you need to look at um, humanizing the workplace is because everybody is individuals, everybody is motivated by different things, and only when you get to really know who your people are will you know how to reach their true potential and, and create those opportunities where they can take the business to that, that next level and, and growth and expansion where everybody benefits. And Sejal, last but not least, Sejal was training. She was getting ready for this conversation. So bring it, Vivian, bring it. No, I mean, I'm just, everybody's already said what I was going to say. So um, <laughs> thanks a lot, Vivian. No, I, I, I mean, for me, it's a no brainer, right? Like it, mm -hmm. we have to, in order for organizations to survive, it's very simple. Unless you create an environment where people feel psychologically safe, Yeah. where they feel respected and valued, people are not tolerating that anymore. It's just straight up, this year has changed technology, the demographics, who we're doing business with. People are at a tipping point and people are just not going to put up with an environment that is not psychologically safe. We already see that happening and it's going to get even worse as the year, you know, as we start the next year, especially with, you know, the new administration and the direction we're going, unless you create an environment where people can talk to each other, can communicate each other, can, re you know, resolve conflict and they feel empowered to be a part of that organization, they're going to walk out the door. Right. I mean, I just pulled out one statistic. Um, the Society of Human Resource Managers said in five years, just simply from employee retention, where employees were walking out the door, just from the employee turnover, that organizations spent $223 billion. Yeah. So for companies that are just looking at the bottom line, that is just one statistic. That's not the lawsuits. That's not how much you pay lawyers. That's not the emotional toll, the psychological toll, the physical toll on your employees. And I'll share some of that information as we get going. But like, it is a no brainer. It, it's a must have. It has to happen. Do I get the sign? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, going, going. I'll, I'll start with you this time. So can you share one example of how workplace bullying can affect the individual? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm going to I'm going to talk about this story that I had a client and what happened mm -hmm. in that case. And so, you know, this was, um, you know, when my son was born eight years ago, 
I went out on my own because I wanted to be at stay at home with my mom. And I had this client come in and she was a female employee and she reported to me that. So, again, I'm in California. And so in California, the law right now is if you're being bullied at work, then you still have to be able to show and tie it to some sort of protected category like race, religion. You know, there's a number of California's got a lot of different protected categories, right? Sex, sexual orientation, et cetera. If you don't, if you don't have evidence of that, then we can't really do much in, in the court system, right? So for a case on bullying, we have to bring it under harassment. So mm-hmm. I met with her and she reported where she had a new supervisor um, come on, a female supervisor. And for whatever reason, the new supervisor didn't like her. And so this is typical what happens in these bullying cases is that it starts off behind closed doors when it's just mm-hmm. the two of them, right? And very demeaning, very dismissive you know, would take credit for her work, would try to sabotage her work. This was all happening behind uh, closed doors. Slowly, and this is, again, what happens when you're bullying somebody, right? You get more confidence. As you get more control and power over that person, you get more confidence. So now she started doing it in public in front of other coworkers. Mm, And pretty soon, you know, what happens is other people figure out that, wait, this supervisor doesn't like this employee. And pretty soon they're like, I don't want the supervisor to turn against me. So it became a situation of three against one. And so this bullying went on for 14 months before I I got in front of her and she came and talked to me about it. Well, she was a sole breadwinner in her family and her husband was disabled. So this is why she put up with it for so long, because you're probably thinking, why the heck did she stay in this situation where she had no other choice? A lot of people that are being bullied actually stay in these situations. Average is about 14 to 15 months of a bullying episode because it happens repeatedly. And so I met with her and she was going to gather some more information. And two weeks later, she took her own life. So these are these are situations, you know, I talk about the story in my trainings. We don't make these kind of situations up. That's one story. Right. And 61 percent of Americans reported. And and by the way, I'm I'm just going to throw out this website. It's a great website for anybody that wants to learn more about workplace bullying, but it's workplacebullying.org. They have all kinds of statistics and resources for anybody is in that situation. But like when I when you read these statistics, it's tragic that we're allowing this kind of behavior to continue, especially when we proactively can do something about it. Wow. Yeah, yeah um, you know, the statistics speak for themselves, even here in, in South Africa, where um, you know, the, the three biggest stresses that employees take to work with them is relationship stress, financial stress, and obviously from a, a health and wellness or mental health perspective. And the corporate sector here loses almost 3 billion rand per annum as a result mm. of mental health conditions or stress-related expenses. And that 50% of six, sick days taken are stress-related. So when it comes to to bullying, the impact on someone's mental health and well-being is just you you just there's no you know distinguishing between the two because they are inter inter interrelated, and so you know just from my own experience, um, being in a corporate that had a very toxic corporate culture where um, positions of power were used to drive agendas working long hours, um, disregard for overtime um, or personal time, family time. Um, there were so many days where I used to go home in tears because of you know, how I was 
how I felt about the, the experience that I was going through. And, uh, you know, that's when absenteeism comes in, productivity goes down, creativity, innovativeness, and it's almost, I call it that grudge purchase phase where it comes to a Sunday afternoon and you dread going to work on a Monday because you just mm, know that yeah. it's just going to be walking through the gates of hell, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're not in a psychologically safe space or environment, you cannot work and to any optimum level of any sense of creativity or your best or even just developing yourself and collaborating with others and basic problem solving skills because you you're living in a state of fear and and that's and that's a trauma that we carry and mm -hmm. we underestimate the impact of trauma on ourselves but also those around us like our loved ones yes it, it makes me also think about besides the fact that it has a personal impact on the victim itself and their families. Companies are not realizing that it's also a lose situation when a disengaged person goes to the workplace and then touches other people to become disengaged, right? And realizing that even when uh, a person comes to the workplace with disengagement or maybe not feeling at their best or being at their best, Productivism, oh sorry, presenteeism. Presentism. Being present yeah. whilst mentally being not okay or not feeling safe or worry about that moment when the alarm goes on off on 6 a.m. in the morning, thinking about I don't want to work go to work because it feels like you're having shackles on your ankles because of you're dreading that situation or you're dreading that boss or you're dreading that colleague or you're dreading that client. Clients can also bully, right? So um, right. it's so important to stand up. Regina. Yeah, and I um, to, to add to the great examples that Sejal and, and Paula gave, um, mm -hmm. I would say that bullying also impacts your confidence and your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. um, so I was coaching a woman who um, came to me about her career. And as we were looking at the goals and, and how she wanted to improve her career, what really came to light is that she was dealing with um, some serious um, self-esteem issues, stress, lack of confidence because of her boss. She was mm -hmm. being you know, bullied uh, and this is in a virtual environment. So um, the boss would have her put her work product up in a team meeting and negatively critique her in front of the team and then enlist others in the team to comment um, and pile on and have unrealistic timelines. Apollo, you talked about that requiring people to work nights, weekends. So same thing with this woman. And it was just really sad to see because this woman came to the organization with a really strong background. She came with a lot of value to add, but by the time her and I started our coaching engagement, she was worn down. She was just beat down and didn't even think that she could give the value. She was questioning her own worth and her value to this organization. So I think bullying can just, especially if it's done repeatedly and in those public forums where people are mm -hmm. being humiliated, it can really chip away at people. Yeah. 
Well, I can definitely echo what uh, Regina said because uh, this is uh, exactly what happened to uh, to me. Um, I was given an opportunity to um, in a new promote in a new uh, role uh, within our, our, our team, uh, and as a result of that, somebody else uh, thought that you know she deserved that role, uh, uh, and you know uh, me being you know the person I am, I'm very collaborative, right? And for me to be successful. I also need others to be successful. So, uh, um, unfortunately, this individual made my life, let's say, very difficult in the collaboration space that I had. I started to have doubt in myself. Mm. Uh, uh, I even, you know, I, I was really thinking how hard, what did I do wrong? Because it's, it's not me who was giving me this opportunity. Somebody in the organization thought that I was a better fit for that role. So, and, and that's the reason why I really welcome the, uh, the opportunity to be here is that sometimes, you know, when you are promoted or when you get more responsibilities, some people are jealous uh, uh, and, 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 you know, can make your life difficult. Uh, I didn't see it as bullying, but after reflecting and I thought, okay, this is what bullying means in a different shape or form. And I'm also not a young uh, uh, professional, you know, I have 20 years experience. Uh, so for this to happen to me, I wanted to speak up because that I know that there is definitely a lot of people who may be in this situation who may not dare to speak up. Uh, and I think that I did all the right things, but unfortunately, I can definitely say to this day, uh, the individual is still, you know, employed at that same company, which is, you know, something that is unfortunate. But hey, I took myself out of that situation and I moved on. Yeah. You see that so many times when um, you're working at a company and you are the, the one who's being bullied or you are the one who's in that difficult situation. And I've heard from so many people that I've spoken to or um, they use me as a, an outlet to vent. They share that even though they have taken the precautions to say maybe to the manager or to a direct coworker, I've also heard so many, so many situations or so many answers that were shared. It wasn't it you? You're the only one who's feeling that. Are you sure that they said this, or are you sure that it was perceived like this? No, it's a joke. Don't see it like that. It's a joke, right? And that's when also the self-doubting begins to start, okay, it might be me. It might be me being, you know, it might be me that has to adjust. But I would say if you cannot find inside help or inside support, talk to other people outside of the company who are really going to hold up a mirror and be there for you, give their, give the honest support of how you can, um, go through this situation eventually I I was myself but also sometimes you have to stay in a position because of finances or because of the other things that you are there oh, but also you have built up a career within that company why should you leave immediately right Scott yeah I'm gonna answer that question with a personal story and it's mm -hmm. very painful for me to share 
But I do think that a lot of times with workplace bullying, any sort of abusive treatment, there can be a conspiracy of silence that mm. goes around the yeah. treatment. And people are reluctant to talk about it because they feel ashamed. I feel like by telling the story, and I've told the story before, it's shattering through that wall of silence. And that wall needs to be shattered over and over again. I also say that as someone who people look at in terms of presentation, style, um, general persona, and would not look, they, most people would not look at me and say, that's someone that would be bullied. But it happened to me nonetheless. Yeah. I was hired um, by a government agency to oversee about 300 NGOs that were funded by that government agency. And I had a staff of 75 people. You know, there was a major institutional reform that I was charged with co-leading. And I was co-leading it. And shortly after I was brought on, the person who hired me left and a new agency head came on. And she did not want an attorney in the position, I believe was the reason for this, but rather than dealing with that directly, it began with her calling on everyone else besides me in a meeting, no matter how mm. much my hand was up, or ignoring me, or refusing to return emails, or um, going to people underneath me and asking them for their opinion without consulting me first and making decisions. And it slowly began to escalate until, and it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'm being too sensitive. Oh, this would never happen to me. Oh, this can't be da 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 da. Until something happened that was so obvious, no one could deny it. I was called into a meeting with her and a bunch of my colleagues, as well as my own staff members. And um, she wanted to do something with this initiative. And I told her that there were, you know, look, I didn't have a problem with it, but that there were legal and policy challenges with it that needed to be discussed. And I raised what those were. And her response was, you know, Scott, when you talk, you sound so stupid that if I were you, I would just put a gun in my mouth and just shoot. And at that point, I could not say, no one could deny. That's bullying. And it hurt. And when um, Regina was talking earlier about sort of the collateral impact of this, I was a perfect example of this. I had a staff of 75 people. My loyalty to that leader collapsed instantly. Mm -hmm. Did I do anything more? If I'm overseeing 300 NGOs and have a staff of 75, I need to be present. But how can I be present if I know that my boss has just publicly told me, you should kill yourself? How could I be there for my staff? How much loyalty could I have? And the end result was that I did get another job. But even then, I was never fully committed to government work again, ever. Yeah. Because I'd learned that that could happen to anyone at any time, anywhere. And by the way, everyone around was terrified. Because from their perspective, if this could happen to Scott, big, loud, you know, confident Scott, me, I could be next. And indeed, it happened to others. So bottom line, again, hit. Initiative, drive, the success of the organization was compromised by one statement. It was There was a buildup to it, of course, but one public statement. And I don't think anyone that was there will ever forget it. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was an expanding circle of disaster that was invisible, but very real. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's tough jude what do you have to say well i think with workplace bullying and in my case uh and again i'm going to go down the per uh, personal story angle and that 
mm-hmm. I was the child that was bullied at school because I was different. I'm autistic. And I just, I just do things differently than everybody else. It's not correct. It's not incorrect. I just do it my own special, unique, happy way. And it often gets either the same or better results than everyone else. But I grew up as a person that was always told what he was doing was wrong. I mean, everybody says, I mean, the, the typical coachy, motivational speakery thing is be yourself. But I was never allowed to be myself because there's therapies and supports and billions and billions of dollars uh, pumped into trying to normalize autistic children. And it left me with a lot of scars that deeply affected me in the adulthood. And that did follow into the workplace as well. I did touch on earlier that um, individual relationships with each employee is not is just not happening because I do things differently. And whenever I did do things differently, it just wasn't understood where I actually, I work as a social worker. I worked as a social worker for eight years. And if I wrote reports in a different way, or I um, arranged my desk or office in a different way, you know, comments that people may look at as, you know, friendly or joking and dismissive. Because one thing that I normally get, uh, when I, even whenever I tell people that I'm autistic, a lot of people say, well, you don't look autistic. And I always think, and people think that that's a compliment. Yeah. But really, it isn't. Where I'm like, oh, right, okay. And I've yet to see a picture of what an autistic person should look like. But it's, it's a lot of comments like that that people say. It's a, a Bullying has become so normalized. And then whenever you have people saying that people are too sensitive and playing things like cancel culture, it makes people afraid to even speak out as well. Yeah. So uh, it's, it, it really is a difficult position for anybody who does go through workplace bullying to actually mention it because you're just too sensitive or or you're a snowflake or you're too easily offended and it's not right it doesn't even create the environment for people to be sharing right just like scott shared about him his situation as in if this happens to me if this happened to him why should i open my mouth because it might be happening to me as well so I wanted to give a shout out to those who are watching. So Kimo is sharing a nice lineup and uh, Scott Raria is sharing. Uh, thank you for sharing your story as well. I want to go to um, what can leaders do? Because we have now, you all have shared your personal stories, but I do feel like there are so many opportunities that leaders can take and maybe combine my question as in self-leaders, right? What can leaders and others do? Because now is the time where you have to speak up. When you see something happening, you have to speak up, of course, in your own way, of course, if it's safe, but saying nothing, doing nothing, it feels like you are part of this game that you are playing or it's being played against the victim. And um, let's start with you, Jude. What do you have to say? It's really, really sad on a on a global scale is that mm-hmm. you, have, you have people like me who's a, like a, a trainer and coach that has to actually teach people how to tolerate other people. Uh, mm-hmm. even, even the fact that my business exists is such a sad, sad testament to humanity because, I mean, as an autistic person and 
representing the autistic community, the fact that I have to tell people how to be tolerant and teach them how to be so is really, really awful. I think what every employer needs to have is a strengths-based approach to every single employee, that everybody does things differently. Instead of having like a deficits type focus, it should be uh, maybe uh, because with me particularly, I, I'm just thinking of an example off the top of my head. I'm very good at report writing. I do it my own way. I mean, I write books, I've written newspaper articles. I mean, lots and lots of things. So I'm good at those things. Instead of focusing on things that I'm not so strong at, which would be like chairing meetings, I'm not very good at that. So I think play, setting people up to fail uh, in the guise of I'm only challenging you has to go as well. I mean, people know inherently what their strengths are. And I think maybe pushing people too far in the wrong direction uh, is another workplace practice that needs to go because it's too easy to hide behind the veil of I'm only challenging you as an employee uh, to, to try and make you do something that you deeply are uncomfortable with doing. But and to avoid that, it's just adopting a strengths-based approach yeah. to everybody and playing to people's strengths. Yeah. I love that. And also the fact that there are so many managers or teams who are forcing people to become one of them instead of showcasing their unique talent. So I wanted to add that up one as well. And Regina, you're nodding your head. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that, Jude, about kind of playing to people's strengths. And, and I think that's that is spot on. I, it, you know, and it that goes along with my my thought around really having leaders have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with their team members. So in order to treat people, you know, um, mm. according to their mm -hmm. strengths, you have to know your team. And so I think, um, you know, in the past, there was an expectation that as a boss, you just come in, you dole out work, you know, people leave their problems at the door and, <laughs> you know, we're expected to just be robots. But I think that in this new day and age, even before COVID, but certainly after COVID, I think, you know, companies are realizing that you have to um, humanize, you know, the workplace. I think that folks are understanding that a little more now. We still have obviously uh, some ways to go, but I think having one-on-ones with your team members to understand, you know, what they're working on, what barriers they're having to success. I mean, as you get to know people through those one-on-ones, mm -hmm. you get to understand their strengths. So I know for me as a, as a team leader, I knew where I could, you know, stretch someone or, you know, asking them where they wanted to take on versus, um, Jude, to your point, just forcing someone to do a public presentation when they've adamantly said that that's not something that they're interested or comfortable doing. So I've, I've even had to pull um, someone back that was being forced by my leader to go out and do something public that I knew in, in my personal conversations with them, they weren't ready mm -hmm. for, they weren't comfortable with. So I think leaders just need to to do that more know their people support their people in that individual way thank you um paula so i think um leaders play a very key role in creating a speak up culture mm -hmm. versus a shut up culture yeah. i think leaders need to be courageous and brave and hold each other accountable as to what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior Likewise, from an employee and even a customer and a vendor perspective, in terms of if those boundaries are being crossed, in terms of how we are treating 
our employees or our people, um, it's it's a non-negotiable. Um, if we don't start speaking up and speaking out and holding people accountable, nothing's going to change. So, Joe, where do I get the heart? <laughs> Oh, yeah, pa Paula, you just said everything like literally that I was going to say. So, um, but I, I agree 100%. I mean, when I'm working with my clients, I tell them to put zero tolerance policies for workplace bullying. So, and that's regardless of whether you meet a protected category or not, doesn't matter what the reason is, nobody should be bullied in the workplace because as several of the people on this panel have really hammered home is that bullying is usually a repetitive thing and it usually has some element of malice, meaning that you are going out intending to harm a person or a group of people and there should be zero tolerance. It doesn't matter what the reason is. So I tell my clients, zero tolerance for bullying and if there, you need to definitely empower your employees to speak up and be a part of that solution so whether it's a microaggression or it rises to the level of bullying every employee needs to be empowered in the organization to properly address that situation so like vivian you were saying at the beginning in your intro you know you want to make sure that employees understand how to have that conversation respectfully and professionally, right? Because if it's a microaggression, it's happening unintentionally. If it's bullying, then it's intentionally. But regardless, you still want to address it the same exact way. And if the person really didn't intend to bully somebody or didn't intend to harm somebody, mm -hmm. simply pointing out the behavior is going to make that person put them on notice. And they're going to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't realize that, or this wasn't a part of my culture, or whatever the excuse is, but it'll stop. And then that's their their only response is to apologize and try not to do it again. We're humans and we make mistakes. Yeah, or not. Or then they do it again, and then mm -hmm. you follow your company's complaint yeah. process and you properly report it, right? But I think, you know, what I've seen in, in my work is that employees have yeah. been basically forced to not talk about it rather than to talk about it with each other. And that the research shows if we can empower employees to properly give them the skills to communicate with each other, a majority of these lawsuits and majority of these cases will go away. And that's what we want. We want to adopt a problem-solving mentality, not a problem yeah. a, a escalation mentality, which is what a lot, of, law, like what a lot of companies are doing. We need to learn to have constructive conversations because sometimes we enter yes. uh, a meeting or we enter a conversation with we have like a gun in our hand right so i want to shoot off everybody and it's not the way to handle i know as a victim that you might be facing so many challenges but still the end goal is having a constructive conversation so that that per the other person or the, that group or the other member of the team will listen and learn from your experience, how you are feeling, how you are handling this situation as well, because that's, that's what needed. That's what needed. Yes. Kobe. I, th I think for me, um, definitely fostering an environment where people can speak up for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also think in terms of the accountability uh, uh, perspective, that sometimes, uh, you know, leaders are afraid that they're going to lose a talent who's also contributed towards the bottom line. So, um, you know, how do you deal with that? So I do think that, you know, when you talk about accountability, 
it, it's worst case scenario, you know, you may lose your job. Uh, and worst case scenario, we may, not, we may identify that, you know, what that person maybe bring from a job content perspective mm -hmm. is gonna be voided for a few months or whatever the case may be before, you know, we find somebody, somebody new. Because I, I've seen that, you know, a lot of uh, behavior is tolerated because the individual uh, is actually adding, you know, in some shape or form, uh, uh, value to the organization that they, they cannot miss. Yeah. Um, so, so th that is what I, I would like to uh, let's say. You know, everybody brought uh, 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 strong points, what I think is definitely uh, uh, relevant. But I think that that element of, of you know potentially losing somebody because of his or her behavior, the impact that it has or, or may have on a company's bottom line, should also be addressed. Yeah, definitely, and. I want to address something uh, which does not have anything to do with workplace bullying, but I also want to address um, people need to know your value. It's not only your manager that sees your value. So that's why I, I always try to do my best, share with clients that they need to network within their organization they need to have these conversations that more people know their value because from the moment that that manager leaves the company or that manager is going to another department nobody will know your value and the moment that they are talking about promotion the moment that you want to maybe go to another department because you feel like that there will be nobody vouching for what you're doing so spread, spread your network within the organization. Let people know or have a one-on-one -on -one conversation about what you do, how you can support them, and that you want to collaborate. Don't make it a, a business sale, but really have the general interest of knowing that person because the real currency in, in business or in the workplace is networking and knowing your value so, so that you can bring something of value within the company. And maybe I can add one more thing. Uh, I always mm -hmm. use this analogy. Um, decisions around your career are made when you're not in the room. So you need to make sure that people in the room know your value. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the card? <laughs> Where's the card? <laughs> yeah. she, she lost the card. She lost the card. <laughs> Get the card out. <laughs> oh, the card. <laughs> uh, I thought you were maybe. referring Scott. Sorry. Scott. <laughs> that was well worth waiting for. <laughs> I'll just add two things. First of all, as a leader, be aware of our own internal biases with regards to power dynamics generally. Mm -hmm. Now, I worked for an organization once where someone that reported directly to the CEO was a holy terror. And mm. people would regularly go to the CEO's office threatening to quit or burst in tears in the workplace or fights and drama were always happening regarding this person. And the CEO always found a way to blame the person who was bursting into tears yeah. or who was threatening to quit or who was angry and upset and never the person that seemed to have a conflict with everyone. So there was a bias going on there with regards to how he was perceiving the individuals. If you are a leader and everyone hates someone or every single person is complaining about working with someone, consider the fact that maybe the one person everyone complain, complaining about is a problem. 
And maybe consider the fact that you're tolerating it is actually making a bad situation dramatically worse. So that's number one. Really be aware that we have these. It can be easy to just automatically side with someone because they're your direct appointee. Or if everyone is having a problem with you, say maybe I've got a problem now. I'm interacting with people. It's, It's doable. So that's number one. Number two. So all of us, it's important for all of us to endlessly reiterate things about the how we can interact with each other to support the development of human capital, to encourage people to be their best and all of that. And many leaders genuinely care about that. But let's okay. keep it real, people. Many leaders don't. Yeah. Many leaders only care about themselves. And so if you're a leader who's sitting here being forced to listen to this or a similar thing and saying, I don't care. That's not about me. Understand, if you want, in order to be a leader, you have to have people who follow you. You're not a leader if absolutely no one follows you. And people will turn on you or your performance itself will drop, financial or policy or other metric related. You will go down if you are the perpetuator or tolerating it within your unit. And so it's important to understand it's not just about being nice and hugs and kisses in the workplace and all that stuff that many leaders, particularly in the corporate sector, shy away from. It's about your own survival and viability as a leader. Mm -hmm. If you let others be dragged down, you're going down the exact same drain eventually. If you care about self-preservation, you have an interest in stopping it. It's also about having that corporate karma, right? Where the demographics are, is is changing worldwide. I know that the US, the demographic is also changing. People are changing here in the Netherlands. The demographics are changing. And still, we are still talking about valuing people for themselves and providing that psychological safety. But yet again, there are so many workplaces where it seems like there are still schools because they are still tolerating these behaviors. Whereas in the schools, you have a teacher who's saying, don't do that, stop doing that. I feel we need to extend the workplace and to really address the policies, really provide that safety net, really provide a trustee where somebody can at least anonymously, at least address something, at least share something. And if there are so many complaints about a person, Take it seriously. If I could just throw one thing out there too. Mm-hmm. What you've talked about in, in the United States in particular, I'm not as familiar with Europe or, or Africa or other continents, but in the United States, a lot of high profile celebrities, entertainers, and corporate leaders have been brought down because of long histories of sexual or racial harassment. Sometimes it happened decades ago. And one thing as a leader, it's important for us to be very aware of is that we're not just operating in today. How we treat others today could haunt us 10, 20, 30, even 40 years down the road. Do you really want to be that person who decided you wanted to be a little bit of a jerk today and no one would notice? 30 years from now, suddenly you're on the front page of the newspaper losing your job because 30 years ago, you felt you didn't need to um, pay attention to all that sensitivity stuff that they were talking about at the Let's Humanize the Workplace <laughs> uh, you know, webinar. You don't mm-hmm. want to be that person. 
No, we are we are in an era where we don't have to read newspapers anymore, right? Everything is online. Everything is shared online. Not that I'm encouraging people to share their yuckiness or whatever situation there is online. However, I do feel like if the situation is too much for you to handle, you have to hire an expert or you have to hire a, men a mentor to hold up that mirror so that you can be supported in whatever decision that you want to take. Sometimes we make decisions, we are not in a clear mind space or we don't have the clear mindset to make a certain decision regarding our career, but also regarding somebody else's career. So um, I am having a hard time to ask the following question because it's almost the last, it's the last question, but I do want to end up with, on a positive note, and I'll start with Sejal, who started this whole conversation about me doing a topic on workplace bullying. So what is your wish when it comes to 2025? We have four more years to go, right? <laughs> when it comes to humanizing the workplace and workplace bullying. You know, I, I, I really would love, I. Somebody asked me on a podcast I did the other day about like, what's my role? Where do I see my role? And I really think about it from the perspective of we're actually rehumanizing, right? So we're part of a rehumanizing revolution and I'm just doing my piece and what I can to contribute to that. I wish in five years more organizations get on board with the rehumanizing revolution and really just invest in their people. Cause I think it was Regina that said, your mm -hmm. people are your biggest talent. And it's sort of going back to servant leadership to really understand that the toll that allowing and tolerating these kind of behaviors, what it has in the workplace, not only harms the victim, that we can all agree on, that's undisputed, but it harms every single person within that organization. And I don't think that you can successfully get through and, and compete against other organizations that are a part of that, because just like diversity, somebody had asked on LinkedIn when I posted about this, you know, how does this impact diversity? Diversity is, sure. is a must have. We are we have diversity, whether you like it or not, it is here. And so you need to be ready and prepare for that. Same thing with this. I feel like I'm on a soapbox, but I kind of feel like <laughs> you are, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm passionate about this, you guys? Can you, <laughs> you are ready. You are ready. No, but I think, you know, I am so I just want to end with saying I'm grateful for all of you experts that are on this call. I learned so much just hearing your perspectives. And I think we need to keep these conversations going and really raise awareness on this. So this was so awesome doing this. We should do this again. That's my last two cents. Likewise. <laughs> likewise. Thank you, Paula. So I always say that money doesn't make the world go around, relationships do. And mm. when it comes to investing in your people, um, it starts with relationships with each one of them individually, getting to know your people, understanding their value, understanding um, how they are contributing, because there's no one size fits all. And mm -hmm. leaders um, have a role and a responsibility. And this is where I'm seeing new leadership style come in, which is holistic and empathetic leadership. And that we are now, due to COVID, we are seeing people holistically. We're, we're managing people in their homes, no longer the traditional nine to five. And what happens outside of that is irrelevant because it's not. And it's about work-life integration, not work-life mm -hmm. balance. And we have to see our people as holistic individuals. 
and that um, we need to see them for the individuals that they are and value, value and appreciate them. And that, um, you know, at the end of the day, people will go where they are, feel welcome, but people will stay where they feel valued. Yeah. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Thank you for saving me from a horrible heart attempt I was doing there. <laughs> you know, Mm -hmm. As we move in the future, into 2025, we're going to be dealing with a whole other set of workplace problems, none of which we can even imagine now. Yeah. I would like for people that are addressing those problems to open up a storybook and say, well, way back when, when there was child labor all the time in factories across the United States. We dealt with that by blah, blah, blah. And we learned from that. And, and now our, our work situation here is X, Y, Z. And then after that got done, there was this thing called workplace bullying. Can you believe people used to do this back then? Mm -hmm. And everyone would laugh. And, and young people would be like, oh, they're talking about old people stuff again. <laughs> and then we would use the lessons that we learned from our ability to vanquish this problem yeah. to make future panels like this and all of our conversations around this obsolete as the pathways to solve those new problems that we can't anticipate. That's my vision. I love that. I'm on that journey <laughs> with you. Thank you. <laughs> Kobe. Uh, I think, I think for me, um, what I wish, um, is that a lot of people seeing this, um, uh, let's say, uh, podcast, um, realize that that is something that can also happen to them right mm -hmm. and they can speak up uh, and the, the organization that they work for foster an environment that they can speak up and that there are severe consequences uh, linked to you know people who are uh, you know behaving in in such a way uh, uh, because like Scott mentioned there is so many things which we're trying to figure out based on what our new normal is uh, it, it can even be worse, right? Uh, not physically being in the office, but being at home and getting a lot of pressure from a, a, a bully, so to say. So that's what I hope for. I hope that people see this, people can recognize it, people can speak up, and they choose to work for an organization that doesn't tolerate that as well. Thank you. Regina. Yes, so my sincere hope coming out of this pandemic and, and into 2025 is that we come out with a shared sense mm. of humanity um, because this is something that has touched like every country, every person has been somehow impacted. Um, and then you throw in the racial reckoning that we're seeing you know, around the globe. I hope that people come out of this and realize that the artist, artificial constructs that we've built up around race, around gender norms, around what is normal and expected, that we truly see people for who they are. Mm -hmm. And we embrace that diversity of, of people's unique differences and people can can truly be themselves. And, and, and through that, I believe that we'll see less of this bullying and um, exclusion in the workplace. So that's my hope. Thank you. And you? Well, my, my wish is a, a little bit broader, but I'm sure bullying does uh, come into it uh, in some shape or form. There's two really sad facts that exist in the world, and this all comes into the diversity uh, discussion. 
is that autistic people only have a life expectancy of 36 to 54 and only 16 percent of us are in paid employment so the reason why uh people like me don't get employment is because there's too many negative stereotypes i mean I think what I would love to see by 2025 is those figures to be dramatically increased. And the only way that that is going to be increased is by appreciating the workforce that's currently there and then allowing more people to come into the workforce. Like the, in my situation, I'm, I'm in a minority of uh, within the 16%. I wasn't treated very well in my office job, but then there's another 84% of people who aren't in employment at all who need to have that access to get in in the first place. So I think in inclusion works and it really is the only way forward for people that not only are in work now, but need to get in work in the future. Love that. Thank you all for sharing. I wanted to say, I wanted to share some highlights from the people that watch. So Jasmine is saying, thank you for sharing your stories and making, I think others aware of this uh, because people often act like office bullying doesn't exist, so, but unfortunately it does. And Rawia is sharing a smiley. So thank you for this amazing conversation. I could have talked for hours, but again, like, like Sejal is saying, right, hopefully maybe in half year, we can see, we can revisit this, this panel conversation and see where we're at. And I also wanted to share for next week. So next week will be a topic has some similarities with workplace bullying, but we are also going to address this whole culture fit thing, which I don't believe in, uh, but we are going to address it with uh, six other amazing experts uh, on the panel as well. So stay tuned for next week. And for today, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the panel members. Thank you for uh for all the the listeners and those who watched uh for sharing their thoughts and for um hopefully to be inspired from all these stories that people have been sharing because i never want to wish any kind of bullying upon you because um it's hard to be bullied and it's hard to recover from that and some people don't recover from that so please think about not only your people but think about what you can do as in using your power using your privilege to speak up or to do something and to support the person who is facing a tough time so thank you and until next time bye don't leave thank yet you for having <laughs> <a> <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs>